You are about to hear a powerful teaching session by Bishop Eddie Addy with the Macarius Church workers, leaders, and pastors. Learn all about the work of the ministry and how you can be practically involved in building God's mega church.
the word and by the music. Fantastic. The word, the song is also a message. How come you stayed in one place, in the place where you thought was best for you? Uproot yourself from your comfort zone and start obeying his calling. God will give you a mega church. Let's come out of our comfort zones and our little parties within our congregations. Mm, I'm talking to you, Mamiefia. Huh? Mafia. Akusia mum. Yes. Then I'll hear many musan. So when you send me bow din so na oh we are kusian to what say a fiana new din. Okay. But we are blessed one more time this late morning to receive again my friend of many, many, many years. A very seasoned and accomplished servant of the Lord. Very anointed. As I was here, I got a text from uh, one of my bishops, Bishop Arthur Dixon. And he said, Bishop Sian was my senior in, in a disco very anointed. I mean from Adisco he was very anointed. Yes. And the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. So I believe that today as we hear him, hear the word and hear the experience. Because sometimes when you are listening to somebody you just excuse it that oh, it's where he is that is working. Oh, it's because of this but listen to the message and receive the person jesus said you will not see me until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord so we are blessed this morning to receive one more time with jesus joy my friend anointed established called and released for us you and i Bishop Richard Quartin Siao. Please put your hands together and welcome him. Please put your hands together and welcome him. Bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That was a wonderful session. I am revived and renewed and refired. Praise the name of the Lord. That was a powerful um, word for we the servants of the Lord. We the laborers in the vineyard of the Lord. And I'm glad to be part of this conference. I'm glad I'm here to listen and to be encouraged and to be challenged and also to share the grace of God with my brothers and sisters, bishops and apostles and pastors, cell leaders and shepherds of uh, the people of God. Um, it's a privilege and uh, I want you to relax and let's just share whatever the Lord gives us in the name of Jesus. You can take your seats in the presence of God. Hallelujah. 
Once again, um, Bishop, thank you very much for the opportunity to share the grace of God with these wonderful people. And uh, we also want to say thank you to the presiding bishop, Bishop Daguard um, <clears throat> Mills. And uh, we are all standing with him and praying for him. And we know that the Lord will take him through with the whole family. And uh, we all will be blessed. We are blessed by his ministry. And we all take inspiration from the Lighthouse Churches. I mean, uh, whatever happens to you, we are very much concerned. And, and we really look up to you for example and for inspiration. So keep doing what you are doing. Amen. Amen. Keep doing it because we are all... Uh, being comforted and being strengthened. We even use you to boast, you know, as if we are one of you. But, you know, yeah, me, I have a special status, you remember? Yes, yes. Special member status in Lighthouse. I'm the only one. It is the presiding bishop who gave it to me. So, only one in that class. (laughs) Amen. So, I'm one of you. I'm part of you. And, um, Today I want to share with you on the simple topic, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Because um, especially those of us who have been pastors for a while, when we face the issues of our church members, you know, we are doing counseling here for marriage, you know, deliverance here, going to the hospital to visit sick people, um, going here to settle these family squabbles here and there. After a while, you kind of win out of that evangelistic thrust. Okay. And the passion to make sure that the unheard, the one who has not heard the gospel, will hear it. I dare say a lot of pastors don't have even one unbeliever friend. Because we are so involved with the believers and trying to keep them together and keep them happy that we forget that there are other people. I have a practice of always making sure that I have about two or three unbelievers I am befriending for the purposes of relational evangelism. You know, it's, it's purposeful. I do that deliberately. Just keep them, make them happy, let them feel like they are my friend, and then look for opportunity to share the gospel with them and lead them to Christ. It's important. Many of us started as evangelists. You know, in those days, you are a brother or sister. And then when you, you they see more, then they call you evangelists. Hardly would they call you a pastor. Those days, if you wanted to be called a pastor, you have to go to Trinity College. 
and uh, come out and be ordained, you know, that kind of long process. And we were so much on fire, we couldn't go. So, <laughs> we couldn't go to that place. So, they called us brother. And um, when you are very, very anointed and you do so good, then they elevate you to evangelists. And they were all evangelists. And we were going to the schools, we were preaching in the buses, we were preaching at the hospitals, we were preaching everywhere in the marketplaces, street corners. Those days we did dawn broadcasts. That's how I learned how to preach. Because at dawn broadcasts, you don't see the faces of the people. So you just say whatever you want to say and just hope that it's, it's a good one. You know, so but then as you grow and uh, you come to church, more of pastoral and shepherdoral pressures can reduce your evangelistic surge or edge in you. It's a subtle and can suck out that zeal. And that is one of the reasons I I highly honor and appreciate the presiding bishop. <clears throat> that he has not lost the same zeal with which he went to Volta Hall at University of Ghana and preached the gospel and got insulted and invited, you know, you know, they almost caught Marshall, you guys, for preaching in Volta Hall. You know, I was there and I remember that very well. And he has not lost that same zeal. May you not lose your evangelistic zeal. May the urge to reach out on purpose to unbelievers and bring them to the kingdom, may that urge be stirred up in your heart. Be so you know, that is what will lead to the mega church. If you don't win souls, it's when you win souls that you begin to learn the retention strategies and, and see how you can retain people and disciple them. But if nobody is coming and there's no conscious and deliberate purpose personally and then as a church to reach out to other people and do the work of an evangelist, then our church growth desire may just be a dream. So let's go to Second uh, Timothy, the epistle that um, Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the Lord. It looks like I need a brother. Then I might as well go up there. Because you know me, I'm old school, so I still have my notes and my my Bible. I'm not high tech at all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> By the time I come back again, I will upgrade. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. <clears throat> All right. So, first, Second Timothy, sorry, chapter four, the fourth chapter, and then let's hear the reading of the word of the Lord. I'll read verses one and two, and I'll come down to verses uh, four. 
4 and 5. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ that you who judge the living and the dead at his appearing of his kingdom preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Let's skip the rest and come down to verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Verse 5. But you. There's a difference between you and the rest of the world. And for those of us who have accepted the call of God to be laborers in the vineyard of the Lord. We stand in a special place. And the apostle wrote to people like you and me. Timothy was a younger man and was a son in the law. And he said, but you, that means it's not for everybody. Not everybody will will respond to this uh, uh, humbly and, and productively. But you who has accepted to be a son of God and a servant in the ministry, Number one, be watchful, be vigilant, open your eyes, have spiritual environmental awareness, spot unbelievers in your circles of influence, be aware, look out for that opportunity, watch, look for, you got to what I call eavesdrop. Sometimes you have to listen to people's conversations. And as they talk, you look for opportunity to get in and share the gospel. That is very important. Endure afflictions. No matter what you are going through, hold on. And then the thing, do the work of evangelists. Evangelist is someone with one foot in the church and another foot in the world. Is the bridge between the church and the rest of the world. You are always looking out for people, for cities and nations that have not heard the gospel. And you want to create a way for them to come in and experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do the work of evangelists. The first evangelist is actually Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He continued to say that neither was anything made that was made except by the word. And in this word 
was the life of men. And in the light was the light of men. And he says that the true light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend it or apprehend it or control it. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word was in heaven. It was in the presence of God. But the word had benefits and blessing for humanity. But humanity could not go to heaven because heaven was full of divinity and holiness. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. So we could not go, humanity could not go into divinity. And the word was divine. The word is supernatural. It is spiritual. So he said the word was with God. And the word was God. So how is it going to be that humanity will benefit from this word which is divine? And that is when I say Jesus is the first evangelist. Verse 14 and the word became flesh. When we could not go there, he came down to us. So he came when we could not go. If Jesus sitting on the right hand side of the father with angels and cherubims and seraphims surrounding him and serving him with all the glory and the splendor of God chose to come to the dusty roads of Galilee so that you and me can hear the love of God and feel the power of his grace then there is no village too remote for us to go to he became flesh and dwelt among us I learned from one professor in communication that the first principle of effective communication is identification that is for you to identify with your audience or your listeners God is God we are men we are people so therefore for God to communicate his grace his forgiveness his reconciliation his justification his sanctification his glorification the package of salvation for God to communicate these divine spiritual blessings to human beings he needed to come down to where we are verse 18 says that no one has seen the father at any time except his only begotten son who was in the bosom of the father he has come to do what declare to us we could not go there all the Old Testament prophets and uh, uh, patriots they only had glimpses and, and flashes of how heaven is and how God is sometimes through a trance they will see a little bit of heaven 
Sometimes through a vision, God will elevate prophet Ezekiel and he will peep through heaven's window and see some few things. Have you watched TV from somebody's window before? I'm the only one that has done that before. Are you with me? You find out that you don't see everything. You only see a, a small part of the living room. That is how the prophets and the patriots, that is their revelation. That is why God needed 66 books to convince us of his love. Because this one will peep through the window and see just the platform. Another will peep through the other window and see the whole congregation. Another will see only the pictures. Because they were looking through the window. But verse 18 says that the son was in the inner chamber with God. And he decided, because it looks like, you know, the Bible says the visions we see dimly. The prophecies we prophesy in parts. So he realized that sometimes even their communication was confusing. It's like blind people who went over there to the zoo to see the elephant. Those who held the ear said the elephant looked like a fan. Those who saw the trunk said the elephant looks like a building. Another said the elephant looks like a big snake. Another said, you know, because of how they felt and perceived. That is how the prophet, that is what the Bible says in Hebrews, that God, who at sundry times spoke to our fathers in diverse ways and means, has now spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. So when all of them came and they were quoting Moses like the Pharisees and the, uh, they were just saying, that saith the Lord, that saith the Lord. You know, second hand message. What they heard was what they told us. But when Jesus came, verse 18, who was in the inner chamber with the father, he came to declare, to show, to manifest to us who the father is. And so he says, verily, verily, I say to you. That is why the Apostle Apostle John said in chapter 1 that what we have held, what we have seen, what we have felt in our own self, that we declare to you that you will have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. Witnessing is a matter of testimony. And if you do not experience this man, you don't see him, you cannot tell of him. And that is what Jesus came to do. The first principle of communication was met when he came down to identify with us. So one night, Nicodemus went to him and he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he was like, how can an old man go back into the mom's womb and be born again? Jesus said, 
I am speaking to you in earthly terminology and you don't understand. What about if I begin to tell you things in heaven? So, as an evangelist, as a preacher, make sure that you are speaking a language, you are giving illustrations, and you are giving examples of what your audience can identify with. Otherwise, you are not communicating the gospel to the person, but you are speaking over their heads. If you go to Konongo Odumase, don't use credit card and debit card as an example. Are you with me? (laughs) There you go. So you communicate in a language that they will understand. That is why when Jesus came in, he said, there was a man. He had two sons. Then one of them said, give me my inheritance. And he went about far away and spent everything on riotous living. Everybody can identify with that. Because we know a man. At least we know one man who has two sons or three sons. So we can identify with it. That is the first principle of communication. As a derivative of that, identifying with people also in their circumstances creates connection. That is why relational evangelism is very, very effective. You know, when you go down like the friends of Job, they sat with him. When you sit with the person, that is why visitation is still a very powerful tool for ministry. Because when, as a shepherd, you visit someone, immediately they open up. There is a form of communication and communion and connection, rapport that is developed when you visit a person in their own home than when you meet them in the streets. The moment you, as a pastor, the moment I visit people in their homes, Come on. They become open. They become humble. Oh, yes, Bishop. Oh, Bishop, do you mind for some water? And immediately they begin to pour out their own problems onto you. Because when you go down to their level, you identify with them and you create a connection. Jesus came down to us. Because we could not go there. Preaching the gospel, introducing Jesus to other people, other communities, is very, very important. Because Jesus was coming in the spirit, and Israel could not see in the spirit, God appointed one man to be born, called John the Baptist. And he gave him only one mission. His whole mission was to introduce Jesus to Israel. For 400 years, there had not been a prophet. There had not been a preacher. And we know the story of Zachariah and Auntie Lizzie. So they gave back to uh, John the Baptist. He went into the wilderness and came out of the wilderness strong in the spirit. 
And as he began to preach and to baptize, go with me to John chapter 1. The Bible says, the people came to him and wanted to know whether he was the Messiah that they are expecting. But he told them, no, I am not the Messiah. Even he who is coming after me, who is greater than myself, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoe strap. Okay, go with me to verse, um, verse 30 is what I, 31 is one, what I want. But let's read from verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. Verse 31. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came to baptize with water. I did not know him, but my singular goal and mission in life is that he, not me, he, not the pastor, not the prophet, not the evangelist, he, Jesus, the Savior, he should be revealed to Israel. That means whenever there is a spiritual truth, it takes a human vessel to communicate that spiritual truth to other human beings. So angels can't preach the gospel. That is why when God even approved of the sacrifices and the offerings of uh, uh, Cornelius and sent him an angel, the only thing the angel could do was to instruct him to go see another human being, Peter, in order for the gospel to be preached. So if the whole church should go on a looter and decide that we are not preaching the gospel anymore, God has no alternative. We must preach the gospel. God had to send a man with a singular goal of revealing Jesus to Israel. So are we sent. Jesus said, so send I you. So John said, and for this I came baptizing with water. God has sent you to reveal Jesus to those small community for which he has called you a pastor. God has appointed you to reveal Jesus to the people that will listen to you. So he has appointed you a prophet. Appointed you a shepherd. Appointed you as not only the spiritual positions, but also accountants at Echo Bank. John said, for this I came baptizing in water. So God has appointed you to reveal Jesus to your classmates for which he placed you in class 2B. 
Are you with me? God has appointed you to be a doctor, a medical personnel, so that you will reveal Jesus, for which you have become the, manage, uh, the medical director at Kolebu Teaching Hospital. For this I came baptizing in water. Don't be so full of your qualification, your certification, and your appointment. It is only a position for the revelation of Christ, for the light to shine. So keep baptizing your water, keep balancing the books, keep prescribing medication, but remember that the goal is that the Messiah will be revealed to your Israel. Do the work of evangelists. You could be apostle, you could be bishop, you could be president, you could be a politician. And God still, because when, when the fivefold ministries, when you are part of it, and you go into society, suddenly everybody becomes a Christian. When we go to funeral or something like that, and people realize I'm a bishop, suddenly, you know, oh, I also go to Presby Church. Oh, even my father was a presbyter. And then they, they begin to act sanctimonious. But they don't do the same if you are the accountant. They don't do the same if you are the classmates. If you are the classmate, they lower all their religious defenses and be real. And they identify you not by elevating you into a spiritual box, but they see you as a fellow human being. Wherever you are accepted and when you speak, they listen, is your appointment place and the purpose, the divine mandate on your life is that because of your accounting, because of your medical work, because of whatever you are doing, God has appointed you in that position to reveal Jesus. To reveal Jesus. So do the work of an evangelist. So the Bible says, John the Baptist introduced Jesus in two ways. Number one, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then number two, he that baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So these were the two introductory, um, uh, I'll call it job description, by which John the Baptist described the mission of Jesus. So if you read on, we are going to do a little bit of Bible studies in chapter 1 of John. I started quoting from verse 1, but we skipped some verses. Let's come down. Hallelujah. And John said that he did not even know him. God told him that upon whom the Holy Spirit will, will descend and alight, remain, he is the one. And when Jesus was baptized and um, he saw that vision, the Bible says from verse 35, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, 
behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. The two disciples did what? Heard him speak and they followed Jesus. I have met some very nice Christian brothers and sisters. And they will tell you that, oh, me, I preach the gospel by my life, by my character. It is very important that your character looks like Christ. Are you with me? But that is only the foundation. With all that John did and happened, nobody followed Jesus until they heard him give a personal testimony of Jesus. So he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. And immediately two of his partners followed Jesus. Could it be none of your friends, you know, is, is following Jesus because, not because you are not a bad, I mean, you are a bad Christian, not because you are not anointed, but because you have not what? Spoken. Spoken. Oh, it's great to sing like a Christian. It's great to show acts of kindness and do good in the society and in the community. But until your social good becomes a spiritual good by adding the speaking of the gospel, it is not kingdom. It's still charity. But it is not kingdom. And I want to challenge you to transform your social connections. Transform your social goodness into spiritual connections and spiritual goodness so that it will benefit the kingdom of our God. Do you, do you remember that when um, the disciples were arrested and threatened all that the Sahindrin said was that they should not teach or preach in the name of Jesus. They didn't stop them from healing the sick. They didn't stop them from feeding the widows. They didn't stop them from doing good to the community. The only thing that stirs the devil and advances the kingdom is when you begin to preach and teach in the name of Jesus. That is the only thing. So if you do all the good things that Christians should do, and you should do them, but you do not add the work of the evangelist, speaking the testimony of Christ, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And immediately two friends followed Jesus. And Jesus turned back and two guys were following him. And he said, what do you want? He said, master, where do you live? We want to see where you live. So the first two members of Jesus' church, Bishop Jesus' church, were given to him by his cousin John the Baptist. 
And until we have members, we have deacons, we have church members going out and telling what they know about Jesus, the church is not growing. The church is not growing. On Sunday, we will dress up and come here. We will dance and do all, and we should do them. They are all good. But if we stop at that, then we are not doing the work of the evangelist. And that is what the Lord will want you to hear from me today. That in all you are doing, in all your service, in all your professional endeavors, do the work of evangelists. Praise the name of the Lord. He gave Jesus two church members and Jesus' church started to grow. One of the people that followed Jesus because of the testimony of John the Baptist was called Andrew. And so when you come to verse 40, he says, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's blood brother, went out, searched for him, and found him. The, the word the Bible uses, found him. You cannot find somebody unless you did some search. You did some pursuing. You knocked on some doors. You asked about his whereabouts. And you went to where he's likely to be found. Identified him and got hold of him. The Bible says he found his own brother, Simon Peter. And he brought him to Jesus. Who have you brought to Jesus? I know you are anointed. I know you speak caterpillar tongues. And go ahead and be speaking it. I know you can do this and you can do that. Go ahead, don't stop doing that. But who have you found for Jesus? And here is the deal. If you do not seek, you will not find. And that is why you got to do it consciously, deliberately, purposefully, and strategically. You got to be strategic. And chase after the unbelievers. Some of the unbelievers, the moment they see you, they know you are going to talk to them about Jesus. And so if you don't, they become disappointed that you didn't tell them about Jesus. And when he brought his brother to Jesus, the Bible says Jesus blessed him and changed his name from Simon, which meant reed, to Cephas, which meant stone. So the transformation took place by the power of the gospel. But it was the effort of Andrew that created the miracle of new birth in the life of Peter. And look at that. Andrew, apart from being an apostle, we don't have any special record of him in the Acts of the Apostles. And yet his convert became the Apostle General for the church. 
Maybe there are some pastors in the um, in your in your office that have not yet been converted, and that is why God has given you appointment in that office. There are some pastors in your school at the college that God needs to bring into the kingdom for such a time as this, and that is why He has called you His son. That is why He has called you His servant. That is why He has called you a laborer in the vineyard. That is why He has called you an ambassador of Christ. That God is in us reconciling the world unto himself. You are his agent. You are his appointer. You are his officer. You are the sole accredited agent from heaven in that community that you are. And if you don't look out, and if you don't find them, there is no alternative. Nobody else. Your, your boss is very powerful, but if he's not born again, he cannot share the gospel. Jubilee House is very beautiful, but you can't get saved over there. You can't get your sins forgiven. When people are looking for forgiveness of sin, they will come to cathedral. This is where they will meet God. And therefore, we, we, we are sent into the world. Many times when we talk of missions, you can take your seat for a moment. When you talk of missions, people are looking at what, for example, the prophet is mega crusades, which is very powerful, needful, and essential part of the kingdom work. But ask Bishop, he will tell you that is very expensive and takes a lot of efforts. But there are other ways we could be little evangelists, little preachers, little mega crusaders in our everyday life and in our everyday schedules and routines that we go through. And if we will transform those routines into missionary endeavors, we will win more souls by that. Honestly, there are some people you are the only one they will listen to. They will not listen to anybody except you. So if you shut up, then you have shut the door to their salvation. Praise the name of the Lord. Andrew found Peter. The person who led me to Christ is still not a full-time pastor. He's not a bishop. I was schooling in a classroom. Some students from the University of Cape Coast came to our school on a hot weekday afternoon after classes. And they gathered us for Bible studies. And this brother just said, who wants to give his life to Christ? Of course, I was religious. In my mind, I understood it like, but who doesn't want to give his life to God? Who wants to give his life to the devil? So, and you know, in those days, all eyes closed. So our eyes were closed and I shut up my hand. Honestly, I thought everybody in the classroom was giving their life to Christ. I had a shock when he said, all of you that gave your life to Christ and raised your hand, come and see me after we share the grace. And it was only myself and another sister. 
I still remember that day like it was yesterday. Because I was shocked. I was like, what what is wrong with these people? You don't want, you want to give your life to the devil? And as soon as he did that quick fix counseling and he let me go, I started chasing my classmates. Say, hey, you, but you, you, you didn't give your life to Christ. Why? You want to give your life to the devil? What's wrong with you? Why didn't they say, no, I, I like Christ. I said, but why didn't you go? Only myself and one sister went. Ah, that thing you did is no good at all. You, next time he comes, you should go. <laughs> I didn't know anything. But I, I couldn't get it. I couldn't. How? You see, and through that, I led some of my classmates to Christ. You've got to be deliberate. You've got to look out for them. You've got to strategize. You've got to reach out to them, engage them. Sometimes even befriend them for the purposes of knowing where they are spiritually and be able to bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. From verses 45 to 53, the Bible says, Jesus went out there and found Philip. Bishop Jesus stepped out of his office and went into the streets. Maybe he was going to cash his check at the bank. Or maybe he was going to fix his car at the auto mechanic shop. Or maybe he took his wife to Makola Market and he was just pacing about on the street side waiting for her to finish the grocery shopping. But we don't know. But what we know is that he found Philip. So I challenge every pastor. I challenge every shepherd. I challenge every bishop. In all you are doing, take time to look for the Philips in community. You've got to build an evangelistic portfolio on a personal level. Not no flyers, no nothing. Just on the personal level. Jesus was an evangelist. So we must do the work of evangelists. Hallelujah. Then Philip found Nathaniel. So you see, look at the, the trend. I want you to notice the trend here. Andrew found his own brother, Simon Peter. Jesus found Philip. And Philip found Nathaniel. What is going on there? Church growth. So the church stops growing when the members stop finding other sinners who want to be saved. Praise the name of the Lord. Who have you found? Who have you found? Now, when you read the New Testament, there are about four Greek words that are translated preach. But two of them interest me. Caruso, which is the formal proclamation of the gospel, like probably what I'm doing. That is what you need homiletics for. So that you know your three points, your three verses, your three window illustrations, 
and present it. That is Caruso. And usually with Caruso, you have a captive audience. They have already come to listen anyway. Unless they sleep, they are going to listen. Praise the name of the Lord. But there is another word that is also a Greek word that is also translated also preach. But that is not the former one. And that is lalio. Everybody say lalio. I want you to remember that word. Lalio. And when it comes to lalio, it's all about conversational preaching. It's not the former one with three points and three verses and three illustrations. It is like, you know how our sisters, when there is a good seamstress somewhere in the Lungu Lungu's corner, provided that seamstress is good, some way, somehow, Pajeros will go there. Mercedes Benzes will go there. They will pack by the gutter and walk the rest of the journey. The moment they know a good seamstress, the ladies will find their way there. One interesting thing, these seamstresses never put up signboard. But somehow, some way, all the ladies are able to find their way to that spot without Google Map or GPS. And yet they go. How do they do that? <laughs> you know, I know as for Bishop, your church, they are very spiritual ladies. But you know, some of us, our churches, after all the anointing and everything, as soon as we close, hey, sister, I like your cover. <laughs> Which seamstress sold it for you? Okay, give me her number. Are you with me? They, they, they convert, it's a conversational thing. The same thing with hairdressers. You know, and, and, and how do they do that? It's conversational evangelism. Let me tell you this. The gospel as a story. People like stories. The moment, why is that a lot of people watch Nigeria movies and Ghana movies? Because they are stories. They are stories. Look, the moment you go to your workplace and you say, hey guys, I'm going to tell you a story, all of them will be attentive. If you tell them, hey guys, I'm coming to preach to you. They will say, oh, boss has given me work to do and I need to finish it on time. People, we have itching ears and we are inclined to listen to stories. People who say they can't sustain 30 minutes preaching can engage in three hours of conversation if the conversation has stories. So tell the gospel as a story. Tell your testimony. Share your testimony. What you have seen. And it is simply this. If you want to share your testimony, it's just before you met Christ, after you met Christ, and how you met Christ. Everybody can follow this homiletics. Everybody can share their story as simple as that. And find somebody who will listen. 
but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. There is another interesting passage in Acts of the Apostles chapter 8. You know, from then on, from chapter chapter 6, uh, 7, 8 especially, persecution had risen against the church. And so when you come to chapter 8 of Acts of the Apostles, the Bible says that all the apostles were scattered from Jerusalem, except uh, Pastor James. Bishop James was the only one that was left there. All of them left. And all the notable disciples fled from Jerusalem. So verse 4 says that, and they were all scattered and went everywhere preaching the gospel. They went everywhere. So hear me, church of God. We gather to worship. We scatter to preach. When we share the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, at the end of our service, that is the end of the worship service. But that is the beginning of the mission. So let me say it again. We gather to worship. We scatter to witness. So if after worship, you do not witness, then you are cutting short the mission. You are causing spiritual stroke in the body of Christ. And the church is not moving anymore. And the Bible says, one of the people, chapter 8, that went out there was Philip. He was appointed in the church as a deacon. His first appointment was meant to serve the widows and the orphans in the church with food. Even that, he needed to qualify by being spirit-filled. And that was all he was to do, evangelist. But the Bible says, Philip went to Samaria and preached the gospel to them. Demons were cast out, sick were healed. It was so convincing that a wizard, a sorcerer, also got converted and believed the gospel and followed Philip. Until Philip brought Peter and John to lay hands on them for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So in the whole New Testament, do you know that it is only Philip that is called Philip the Evangelist? He is the only one I have seen in the New Testament that is called Philip the Evangelist. Acts chapter 21 and verse 8. I think verse 8. Yes, verse 8. Acts chapter 21 and verse 8. Philip the evangelist. He was described like that when Apostle Paul went to live in his house. And four of his daughters were described as prophesying. Philip the evangelist. He was not one of the twelve. Not the first Philip that Jesus found. 
he was only a deacon in the church. But he received the anointing of the Holy Spirit and moved on to be transformed. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. Wherever you go, don't forget, these people were being persecuted. They have left their economic sustenance. They have left their family. Some of them even fled, leaving their wives behind. They left their properties. And in their, in their haste, they were being chased down by Saul and others to kill them. But in their trembling fear, they, as they ran away, they met a stranger. Jesus is the one who forgives you of your sin. If you give your life to Jesus, you shall be saved. If you call on Jesus, he will save you. Even in their running away, they were still witnessing to others. How can we do less? They did not organize a special crusade. In other words, their, their witnessing endeavor was kind of coincidental. They added it to their daily routines. They added it to their daily schedule. And I tell you, if the whole church, everybody, tries to win a soul every week, we will evangelize the whole world soon and soon. So the word of the Lord to you this afternoon, do the work of evangelists. If you are an accountant, do the work of an evangelist. If you are a nurse, do the work of evangelists. If you cannot preach like Paul, lull you like a woman introducing a seamstress to a friend. If you cannot preach like Peter, lull you like an ordinary person sharing an interesting story with a friend in the classroom, in the office, wherever you are, do the work of an evangelist. Shall we rise? Can you lift up your hands to the Lord and tell the Lord, give me the anointing of an evangelist. I am just a deacon. I'm just a deaconess. I'm just a cell leader. I am a shepherd. I am an apostle. Great. It is God that has appointed you into that position. But remember the mission of John the Baptist. That to reveal Jesus to Israel, I came baptizing. To Echo Bank workers, I came as a banker. To reveal Jesus to my classmates, I came as a student. To reveal Jesus to my patients, I came as a doctor. I am a trotro, a planke. Wherever you are, taxi driver.
driver, student, nurse, a job bar keeper, whatever you do, Kayayo, it is an appointment by God to reveal Jesus to the people that are around you. And when they found him, they brought him to Jesus. This Sunday, may you bring someone to Jesus. After this mission conference, may you find someone. You may have to take your trotro or your taxi and chase your old classmate's attention and find him and share the gospel with him. I came to tell you a story. And when he opens his heart to receive, bring him to Jesus. Bring him to the church. Because the church is the body of Christ and the transformation power of the gospel will begin. Shall we pray? Just lift up your voice. Say, Lord, give me the spirit of an evangelist. Be given a certificate as an evangelist, but Lord, give me the spirit of evangelists that when I go to my tailors, when I talk to my carpenters, when I talk to the masons, when I talk to the auto mechanics, when I talk to even my doctor, when I talk to my classmates, I will share the gospel with them. an evangelist shared with me he said he did a crusade and somebody was converted and one of the counselors appointed and trained as a counselor went in there to give him the first aid at the crusade ground he found out that he was his colleague at work in fact he stood right beside him at the conveyor belt so when this new convert saw the counselor minister he said oh you have also come to accept Jesus and he said no I am already a Christian and actually I am coming to counsel you then the new convert said oh so you know this story all this while I have been standing by you at the workplace and you never ever told me about it just imagine it is you what would you say I want you to take about three people you believe if they find out that you can preach this good if they find out that you are disanointed if they find out that you know this Jesus this way they will be very surprised 
prophet they say ah that's why your life is different but that is only to attract them and gain their attention unless you open your mouth and speak they are not going to follow jesus shall we say our last prayer like the prophet isaiah say lord take one of the coals of the fire and sanctify my lips that i will preach the gospel whatever has zipped my gospel lips lord untie my lips give me the tongue of the learned that i would tell the story of jesus that many shall be saved from this day forth my friends my neighbors my classmates my colleague at work my workers my bosses my strangers strangers i meet give me the tongue of the learned that i will share the gospel with them come on give praise to the lord I, I don't do this lightly. I, I don't like praying for ministers and the gospel, you know, especially pastors. I don't like that. But I, I feel led by the Holy Spirit. This is the first time. And I'm calling everyone who is a pastor, a shepherd of a congregation, to come forward and we will pray with you. Bishop, please join me here. Please come forward. The Bible says Jesus also, he pastor Jesus, Bishop Jesus, he also found Philip. John the Baptist gave him his two converts, but he also found Philip and brought him to himself. No wonder when, when we did the John chapter 6, when he was going to feed the 5,000, it was Philip that he talked to. Philip was his direct convert. Of course, Philip was all over the place. And Nathaniel came by and brought that little boy. You see, Nathaniel was always a people finder. Anytime Nathaniel is mentioned, he's bringing somebody. The first time he was bringing G, uh, uh, Peter. Then the other time he was bringing the small boy with a, a, a lunch box to Jesus. And I know pastors you are going through a lot. I have been a pastor for a while. And I know all the bullets, the blows, and the buffeting that you go through. But it is all the plan of the devil to suck out the spirit of the evangelist from pastors. But of all the fivefold ministry, the pastoral ministry is that which encompasses all the others. Apostle, prophet, teacher, all of them are all in the pastoral ministry. So you cannot just be doing counseling alone. Sometimes you must leave the 99 and go chase that one and bring him to the Lord. 
shall we pray for these noble pastors, these honorable men and women of God? You never know the battles they are fighting. Maybe from home, maybe in their finances, maybe in their relationships, maybe in their community. Some of them will build a church and the politician will bring bulldozer and raise it down. Some of them will do fundraising and nobody will answer. Some of them have deacons and the deacons are fighting them. Some of them counsel. The members won't listen and they will get into trouble and so call the pastor. All this is very frustrating and can lead to burn out. But today, the Lord's oil is falling afresh on you. The psalmist says, you have anointed me with fresh oil and have exalted my horn like that of the unicorn. May the horn, the strength of every pastor, every shepherd here be exalted in the neighborhood, be exalted in the city of Accra, be exalted in the nation of Ghana, be exalted in the continent of Africa, be exalted in all our world. Fresh oil. Church, please pray passionately. Hope those of the rest of us open your mouth wide and pray for these shepherds. You have no idea the battles they go
things here and together Bishop can you pray for all of us pastors you know you know it <laughs> it's not easy Prayer. Father, yes, Lord. thanks a million yes. for these encouraging words and strengthening words. I pray for every one of us pastors standing here. Yes. For all of us, Lord. Yes. Just like you prayed for Peter and said, Satan has desired to sit you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are strengthened, strengthen your brethren also. Lord, I pray for strength. Yes. Strength. Yes. Strength. Yes. Strength to press on. Strength to press on. To press on. To higher heights. In the name of Jesus. Every spirit of discouragement. Every spirit of discouragement. Every spirit of give up. That has oppressed and depressed your people. Yes. Let that power be broken in the name of Jesus. And let your servants go free. Yes, Lord. I pray for an anointing yes, Lord. to take us to our higher level. The next level of where we are today. Lord, if we are at level 100, take us to level 200. If we are level 200, take us to level 300. If we are level 300, take us to level 500. If we are level 500, take us to level 1000. In the mighty name of Jesus. Even if we are at level 1000, take us beyond the thousands. 3000, 5000, 7000, 10,000. In the name of Jesus. We pray for everyone that has dedicated itself to serve you. Every discouragement that has come from non supporting members, may that discouragement go away. Yes, Lord. And I pray that you will stir the hearts of many to strengthen. Strengthen the hands of your servants. Hallelujah. You strengthen the hands of many. Yes. Lord. Send us divine helpers. Yes. Lord. Send us men and women. Yes. That Lord. will hold the hand of your servants. Karabana. Like Aaron and Her yes, stood Lord. on each side of Moses' body. Yes. And Lord. strengthened his hand. Yes. Until Lord. victory was assured Karabana. for the people of God. Give us Aaron's. Amen. Give us hers. Jesus. Those who strengthen your servants in the name of Jesus and I pray that every calling will be sharpened yes Lord. in the name of Jesus in the name every calling every call will be strengthened strengthened every calling every call will be renewed in the name of Jesus send revival Ignite afresh flames of revival across our churches. Yes, Lord. oh Father, Lord, you know how post pandemic many churches have suffered reduction in numbers. We are praying, praying. to you, the Lord of the harvest. Oh God, that you will increase us with men like a flock. Even like the flock of Jerusalem at their solemn feast. May that be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. May we break numerical barriers we have never broken to raking the harvest for this end time evangelism in the name of Jesus. Give us souls, Lord. Give us souls, Lord. 
Give us increase, Lord. Increase. As we plant and as we water, yes, give us great increase, increase that will bring glory to your honor. Glory. Your name. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give a clap offering for these pastors. We love you. We appreciate you. I appreciate you. Even when they criticize you, remember we've got your back. Yes. And even greater, Jehovah God has got your back. And he will never forsake you wow. nor abandon you. Go forth and fulfill your ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit ah. in Jesus' name. Come on, give a clap offering, please, Pastor. Amen. And you may take Are your you seat. clapping for the Lord? Hallelujah. Wow. Take it over. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for Bishop Richard Quartin Siao? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Very, very, very important message that will help you towards a mega church. Oh, will you stand and honor this servant of the Lord greatly? Hallelujah. you have been challenged by this powerful leadership session with Bishop Eddie Addy from the Macarius Church Headquarters, East Legon Hills, Accra. God richly bless you.